this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. So here we are with our guest, Tom Lewis. Thank you for being here with us, Tom. Welcome to the show. Uh, My pleasure, Joe and TJ. Nice to see you. Absolutely. This month we are focused on hope and how a leader really can provide that within an organization. And we're very excited to have Tom on our podcast. This month we wanted to take a deep dive into leadership and how hope really is an active strategy and not a passive progress uh, process. So really in Tom's new work, Solid Ground, we thought was a perfect fit for our discussion. TJ, why don't you tell us a, a, more, a little bit more about Tom? Sure thing, Joe. Uh, thanks for that. Our guest this month is Tom Lewis. Tom Lewis is the founder of Tom Lewis Company, an award-winning Scottsdale, Arizona-based real estate and investment company known for its quality and outstanding customer service in the home building industry. Lewis received a Lifetime Achievement Award from Professional Builder Magazine and was the first inductee into the National Housing Quality Hall of Fame. In 2002, Lewis and his wife Jan formed the the T.W. Lewis Foundation to support higher education, children and families in need, youth character education, and a variety of local and national nonprofits that strengthen America's civil society. And you know, Joe and I love that work. Uh, In 2015, they created the Lewis Honors College at the University of Kentucky. In his book, Solid Ground, which we're going to talk about today, Lewis asserts that when it comes to success, nothing is more critical than a solid foundation. Taking time now for reflection analysis will yield enormous dividends in the future. And he couldn't, we couldn't agree more with this concept of creating a solid ground. So we're thrilled to have Tom on the show today. Okay, Tom, here we go. Let's dive right in to the idea of building a solid foundation using values and principles that serve as the beacon of hope. As you are well aware, we are in a current crisis in our nation with adds tremendous amounts of stress, anxiety, and fear to the equation. In your book, Solid Ground, you detail your own personal journey and then also provide clear guidance and structure on what it means to be successful. Here's our question to start the interview today. What are some initial and practical steps people can take to thrive in a world that right now feels grim? How can we build stability and provide <clears throat> hope for the people we serve. We want to hear anything that you might say about building and growing on the solid ground. Yeah. Well, thanks TJ and and Joe. And, um, you know, these are, uh, terrible times, crazy times, unprecedented times, but in a lot of ways, I think, um, life is unchanged and the principles of life are unchanged. And that's what my book solid ground is about. But, um, before I address uh, that specifically, I, I want to drop back and talk a little bit about hope and um, and, and leadership <clears throat> because they're very connected in my thinking. And 
probably my favorite uh, definition of a leader is someone who defines reality and provides hope. Um, you know, a leader can't, uh, can't sidestep the real world and try to uh, pretend that, that, that there's not, you know, a, a reality uh, and a true reality out there. So, um, so today, we, you know, I mean, to, to address the, this uh, crisis head on is really what a leader does. And then, and then uh, provides hope by uh, defining a, a future that uh, is something we can look forward to. The, the second uh, favorite thing I like to say about leadership, and it's really the, the best definition I've ever heard, <clears throat> and I've heard hundreds of them, is that a, a leader, to be a leader, it only requires three things. Number one is a vision. Number two is trustworthiness. And number, two, number three is compassion. Because if I ask you or if I ask a room full of people to follow me and I got up and walked out the door, you'd, you'd have three questions. You'd say, first, where are we going? That's the vision. Secondly, can I trust you? I have to earn your trust. And third, do you care about me? So you cannot be a leader if you don't have a clear vision of the future. You haven't become trustworthy and you don't care about your followers. So, uh, so anybody that, that thinks they're a leader needs to make sure they, they can check all three of those boxes. Um, so you ask, what can you do today to uh, kind of get your life uh, back on track? And, you know, that's really the reason I wrote this book. Uh, you know, for, as I talk about it, for 16 years, my wife and I gave college scholarships and we would, take about 200 applicants every year and we would interview individually about 40 students for about an hour a piece one-on-one and then we would choose the uh, the recipients we give 10 scholarships a year and uh, as I did that from 2002 through 2016 I began to see how how young high school seniors were changing and they were becoming very unsure about their future. And there was a lot of anxiety that I could see about what am I gonna do when I grow up and where am I gonna go to college and what if I don't keep a 4.0? And, and there was just this anxiety. And since I've become very involved with three public universities, um, I now know for a fact that somewhere between 30 and 50% of college students take some kind of anxiety medication. And that's a very sad thing because I remember college is the most uh, fun, carefree, uh, stress-free period of my life. And, uh, but it's not that way anymore. And I'm, I'm on college campuses enough to, to see that. Uh, and there's a, lone, there's a real loneliness epidemic even in, in colleges, which is hard to believe. So, so really it goes back to the basics <clears throat> and uh, trying to, to look at a model that really leads to a not only a successful life, but a, but a happy life and a purposeful life. And, and so I, I put together this book and I told my own story to demonstrate uh, one example. And also to get people thinking about themselves. That, that was really the point of my uh, describing my own personal journey was so people would begin to think about their personal journeys and, and their family and their childhood and their siblings and their parents and their best friends and and their influencers and their coaches and their role models to 
to see where are they getting their wisdom and where are they getting their their inspiration and uh uh and so that they have a model and and the model really uh starts off with personal character and uh and then there's hard work goal setting self awareness and helping others and there, some of those are pretty obvious like uh, hard work and goal setting but the idea of helping others is really to get out outside of yourself and i think uh because of social media and other changes in our society a lot of the young adults uh seem to be too focused on themselves and and that's kind of a formula for unhappiness so uh anyway i'll, I'll just stop right there and and let you maybe ask some more questions yeah, thank you, Tom. That's powerful. I just want to go through a couple things. I love the the notion that the leader defines a reality um, and provides hope. I think that's critical when many times a leader wants to, I think you even said it, sidestep that reality. And then, you know, in the, in the long in the long run, we typically just don't achieve what we need to achieve. But I, I do want to I do want to like tackle this topic a little more um, and you broke it down for us that the leader has to set the vision has to be trustworthy and show compassion. And I want to link that compassion to help in others um, and mm -hmm. social media is one aspect of it. What do you see as some of the other, you know, obstacles, challenges, trip ups um, that really catch a leader that prevents them? from demonstrating this level of compassion, preventing them from keeping in a, a servant mind first, you know, because mm -hmm. we see this as well. And I think TJ would agree that, you know, it's very often that when we do put others first, we feel just personally more satisfied, but also when we do that, I also know that we tend to listen better. And if you're a leader, that means you're having, you know, a better understanding of the organization and what it's going through. But we also find that even though it sounds simple, it's one of the hardest things to do. So any thoughts, strategies, ideas around how a leader can remain compassionate, keep others first to not only learn more about the organization and so on, but to truly be vested in the individual. Yeah, no, I, I have some very good, um, clear thoughts on that. <clears throat> and that is uh, the other thing I would say about leadership, and I don't talk a lot about leadership in my book, uh, but you have to be a leader, you have to be an authentic leader. And you have to lead with your with your God given personality and your and your developed values. And um, we all are unique and we all are a little bit different. And you know some people are better than others at, at different things and so you, you you can't try to emulate another leader and be just like that leader unless your personality and your values are just like that person so i think a lot of people you know they say oh i want to be like barack obama or i want to be like uh, you know some athlete or lebron james or whatever and and you can't do that you can only lead for authentically and uh all the great leaders have done that and uh you know, my wife and I have just been watching a, a movie on the Roosevelts recently on, on Netflix. And, uh, you know, he had polio when he was 39 and was a rising star in politics. 
but he probably never would have gotten elected president had he not gone through this terrible 10-year period of polio, and uh, he couldn't walk. And so, you know, a lot, a lot of times we have to realize we all go through adversity, and that's where we kind of forge our character and develop our values. And uh, lots, you know, if you look at a successful person, you will find adversity in their background. And so a lot of times your leader, your real true values come from the adversity you, you faced, but you have to kind of figure that out. And it takes a while. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I was trying to be a, a leader when I was a young uh, executive and, you know, I, I did okay, but I was, you know, I was a little too caught up in my own world and my own uh, priorities to pay too much attention to other people. And, and you, these, these skills, it takes a while to learn them, but that's why I included the paragraph or the chapter on self-awareness though, because you really have to understand who you are before you can, before you can uh, be a leader. And, and uh, Joe, you ask about compassion. You know, some of us are more compassionate naturally than others. And, and that's okay. Uh, because I mean, compassion is, is a good value, but there's a lot of good values. And, um, you know, so compassion is one of the many of the important qualities of a leader, but uh, it's not the only one. And, uh, and, and some of us are, are better at, at some things than others. Thank you, Tom. If you don't mind, we're going to shift gears into our, our five one thing series uh, leadership questions. And you've hinted on this already about the, you know, watching the Roosevelt Netflix series. Um, I hate to admit it, but Netflix has probably become one of my best friends during COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if, you know, and even in the book, it's chock full of individuals who have just been incredibly influential uh, as you write in your own life, but, you know, just as human beings. Who is one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration, um, and where could we find them? Well, uh, I guess the name that came to mind uh is a man named Dennis Prager, who I've uh, known and followed for 20 years. And he's become very prominent uh, as a talk show host. He's a he has his own radio show. He's out of LA. I actually have gotten to know him. I spoke to him on the phone last week, actually. But he, he is, to me, today's uh, modern Socrates or Aristotle. I mean, he is a true philosopher. Uh, he's, uh, he seeks the truth. Uh, and he is, he's full of wisdom. Uh, and, um, you know, he has a weekly, uh, radio show or in a, a weekly fireside chat. So, and he, and he produces a lot of books. He's, he's a very religious person. He's Jewish, uh, but he's uh, very, very religious. And, uh, so he's, he's kind of the guy that I go to for wisdom. Thank you for that, Tom. We'll we'll look that up and we'll link it back. Also, the Roosevelt movie for the um, subscribers to the show. They love to get those type of resources. If you could tell us just one thing that you get, um, you said philosophy. Is there something in general that he, you know, a quip or a quote or something that you really gravitate towards from his work? Well, I'm not sure this really comes from Dennis Prager, but uh, there was a guy that uh, was a consultant I worked with years ago that worked with a lot of different home builders. And uh, at the end of his career, he wrote an article about why some were 
better than others. And he said, discipline is the differentiator. You know, discipline is the differentiator. And so, you know, it's one thing to have, you know, lofty ideals and a clear vision and be trustworthy and have compassion and know who you are. But if you don't have discipline and you don't, and you can't, you know, uh, plow the field, you know, and, and get the job done, uh, then it, everything else doesn't really matter. So, you know, discipline is something that you don't hear a lot of people talk about, but it's, it's, it's the differentiator uh, between uh, people that achieve their goals and people that don't. That's great. That's great. And having people to follow and staying true to that on a regular basis is also, you know, discipline, making sure that you, you yeah. know, get your dose, your daily dose. Um, yeah. You talked about um, anxiety and loneliness, um, you know, and the need for a foundation earlier uh, here in the show. And, and so I was wondering if you could connect that to one thing that you think people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life. Well, you know, one of the things I learned from Dennis Prager, and uh, it's in the book in the, on the last chapter called Happiness, is that, uh, you know, in order to be happy, we want to feel good about ourselves. The best way to, and actually the only way to improve our self-esteem is to do something that is esteemable. And that sounds kind of like a joke, but it's, you know, you can't get self-esteem from un unworthy praise or from your mother telling you what a good boy you are. You have to go out there and help a lady across the street or serve someone else or do something that is truly esteemable. And um, one of those things that is esteemable is hard work. And uh, so if you work hard, you feel better about yourself. Uh, that leads to higher self-esteem. And it also leads to res more resilience. Um, and so I think if you follow the principles that I lay out in solid ground, uh, you, with, with, you know, working on your personal character, none of us are perfect, uh, trying to put, you know, work harder, set goals, help other people, you'll find that you feel better about yourself and that you'll be happier and you'll have less anxiety. And, uh, and that really was the point of this book. I was trying to tell these young adults that I've known and, and all the ones I don't know, you know, this anxiety will melt away if you will focus on the things that really matter. But by focusing on social media and how many likes you get and, and uh, all those superficial things, that, that will lead to, to loneliness and unhappiness and anxiety. Thank you, Tom. It's, it's interesting the types of things we do fill in our life um, that, you know, I, this, sometimes this, this gets played out a little bit, but we hear it all the time, this notion of immediate gratification. Um, and it's just, it's true though. You know, we, we go on social media, you do other things and they are, they are gratifying to an extent. Um, but I like the, the words you used, esteemable. I'm, I'm not sure, TJ. I don't know. I've never heard it quite put like that. Um, but I like that. Like, what are esteemable actions each day that you rise to, that you want to achieve? 
um, that you know, and at the end of the day that um, they're fulfilling. It's genuine. You did something great for someone. Um, Tom, let's, uh, let me ask you, what's one thing that you would want to know or be able to do that you don't already? One thing I don't know. Well, I guess one, honestly, one of the things, you know, this is the first book that I've written. And um, I think there's a hundred million millennials in America. And I really don't know how to best reach them, you know, and I'm trying to use the different avenues that I, uh, I can figure out as a businessman, but uh, in including podcasts like this and your followers and subscribers but um, I really think that if every millennial in America could read this book, uh, the, uh, a lot of them would, would not need anxiety medications. They would feel better about their careers. They would be more confident and they would be more successful and happier. And so that's my wish. And that's, that's the impact that I'm trying to make here. Uh, and uh you know, so far we're off to a good start with the book, but the, but we're kind of figuring it out as we go. And, and uh, you know, my experience is the first time you do something, you learn a lot. And so we're doing that. Thank you for that, Tom. I mean, we know firsthand that book marketing is a, is a beast in and of itself. So, you know, we hope to help with that. A lot of our audience is in touch with millennials. And so we get that book in the hands of, um, in the hands of young people as best we can. Um, you, you sound like a person who has lived a lifetime of learning and growth. And you just talked about like learning something new. Um, can, can you tell us what's one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that, that others might be able to replicate? Well, um, one thing that has led to my growth, um, you know, there, there, there are so many things, but I guess the one thing I'll address here is kind of one of the myths I talk about in the book is that I encourage people to find their talent, not their passion. And that's one of the myths that so many people are hearing today is just follow your passion, do what you love, live your dream, and life will turn out great. And I think that's very bad advice. Uh, I like to say you can be anything you want if you're good at it naturally and you earn it. You know, you can't be anything you want. You can be anything you're good at if you earn it. And so this idea of, of following your talent is something that I've learned. And I guess I'm trying to, to, to continue to keep that in mind now. Is I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about what I can do uh, for others and what in, in, in using my natural talents and in, in improving my natural talents. And, uh, and that's really, uh, you know, I think an inspiring message for people because we all have different talents, you know, every one of us. And, uh, and it takes a while to figure them out. And, but we, that's why hard work again is so important is because, you know, you take the Michael Jordan story. If you've been watching that TV show, you know, there was a guy who got cut from his junior high basketball team. He was not a, a born basketball player. He was just born with a lot of talent that it took the work to develop and become what he became. So um, that's, I guess that's what comes to mind there. 
Yeah, that's powerful, Tom. I, I think you do hear a lot about this idea of passion. And I would like to think, you know, if you do pursue your talents, um, or at least take the time to discover um, what they are, you know, going back to that philosophy of know thyself, we're, we're, it's interesting you brought that up very early on. TJ and I are both big fans um, of a lot of the, you know, the early philosophers, Greek philosophers, the Stoics, um, and what they put forth. Um, but I think if you find your talent very often, that's also where your passion uh, will arise. You know, too often, as you said, if we go through this world of pursuing our passion, um, it may not be something we're really interested in. We just think we are. We haven't really took the time to discover it um, to a large degree and really unearthed it. I'd, before we get into our final question, I did want to ask you, so what's driven this desire you know, around like students. I, I mean, it's it's so intriguing the phil philanthropic work that you've done, um, offering the scholarships, but also now this deep level of care around mm -hmm. students facing anxiety. Where's that stem from? Um, I, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's certainly something that we're all you know focused on. We mm -hmm. think about we want our students and our young children to be successful. It's near and dear to TJ and I um, as educators. Um, what, what's really driven that for you uh -huh. and, and your wife, it sounds like? Yeah, you know, thanks for asking that. I honestly haven't thought about that before, but I, I have a, a good answer for it. And <clears throat> I think it's really talent. You know, I think that uh, I have always loved and enjoyed and I think been good at talking to young people. Uh, I'm curious about what their plans are. Uh, I'm eager to try to help them. I think I've learned some things that I can provide to them. I think I do it in a way that is, that they're, it's, that they're receptive to. And uh, I just, I, I've gotten very, I think I'm good at that and I make a real impact at that. And, you know, I had a, uh, I got a letter just this week from a young man I gave a scholarship to 15 years ago. And uh, he wrote me a letter thanking me for it. And he said he still remembered sitting across my desk 15 years ago in the interview I had with him because we got very personal and very deep as we always do. But I, th I think that's just something I've really liked and I think I've gotten really good at it and uh, I enjoy it. And I think I have, it's a talent that I've developed. And uh, so I, that's really, I think how I would, how I would see that. I, I agree. It's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun too. You know, when you have a talent for it, you have a knack, you know, TJ and I talk all the time. One of the biggest struggles with COVID um, and even some of the, the recent uh, crisis we've been facing, um, you know, with the murder of George Floyd and some, it's, we're not connecting with kids. There's a disconnect right now. And I can tell you from an educational standpoint, many of us are just truly um, heartbroken not being able to reach out to kids. It, it makes mm -hmm. our jobs, I don't know if you agree, TJ, I think it makes our jobs a little more empty because mm -hmm. we're processing papers. Yeah, we may be connecting with them through Zoom and so on, but our world is kids. And hey, there's mm -hmm. nothing more exciting to see a, a young person develop you know, when, when you eat, whether it's athletically, academically, um, mm -hmm. one of our good friends is Salome Thomas L. 
um, heavy in the chess. You know, he talks about seeing those kids develop their skill level and the chess board. You know, it's just exciting. And then to receive something, what you just described, Tom, 15 years later, um, that, you know, that's just been really good in that child's life is impressive. Mm -hmm. um, what, is, what is one thing, Tom, that you used to think that you don't think anymore? Well, I know I can remember when I first got out of business school and I started my career and I worked for a company and they had a really great strategy and it it, it was very high minded. Uh, it was high end. It was a they, they it was called the Sea Pines Company and they developed high end uh, resort properties in the south on the southeastern coast, of golf and tennis resorts for high very high end. And they were very strategic about what they did. And three years later, they went bankrupt. And, um, and so I stopped being so, um, so impressed with strategy and I became more focused on execution. And I think one of the things I've learned over the course of my career is, you know, a strategy is, is necessary but not sufficient for success. Uh, execution is more important than strategy. You know, you have to have a strategy, but what really matters is your, how you execute on that. And so that's kind of goes back to the discipline part, you know, that, and that uh, book that came out, you know, make your bed. Have you heard about that? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the army general, I think made a speech about get up every, the key to success is making your bed every you know, get out of bed every morning, make your bed. I mean, you just kind of got to do the dirty work every day that you'd rather not do. Um, but uh, it's more about that, you know, and that, that creates the discipline uh, that really uh, it takes to, to uh, get it done. Well, that was fantastic. Um, I like that answer at the end there um, that, execution is more important than strategy. I think it's a great way to end. It wraps up uh, a lot of what we've been talking about here in terms of um, finding your talent, working hard is, is, a, is a key way to feel good. Um, we got to have compassion for, for others. I mean, I, I know that Joe and I agree with that. A lot of our models have stemmed from, you know, work ethic and, um, and compassionate feedback for, for folks and just leading with, with that trust and that vision. So thank you. I mean, the, 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 the simplicity here um, has been wonderful today. And we always say that that's a key that leadership might be complex, but it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think you've given us um, mm -hmm. just more of that notion and it couldn't have fit better with our philosophy. Is there anything else, Tom, that you would like to add today for our listeners? Well, I think in the book, I, I address a number of, of popular myths that uh, are out there today. And I, I touched on one of them is this idea that following your passion and doing what you love is the key to success. And, you know, a lot of students that I've talked to, I've asked them, how important is career success to you? And it, they used to say very, and then it got to the point where they all would say, well, success is kind of important, but I wouldn't sacrifice my happiness. And so the, the last thing I want to say is that happiness and success are unrelated. You can have one of them, you can have both of them, or you can have none of them, or you can have, you know, one or both or either. So 
pursue them separately. Understand that um, happiness is, is the uh, natural result of, of helping other people and growing as a person. And success is the achievement of a worthy goal. And so, you know, you don't have to sacrifice one to have the other. Uh, we, want, we all want everyone to, to be both happy and successful. And I'm trying, that, that's really the kind of the, the punchline of my book is wh why do all these things so you can be both happy and successful. It's a great way to end. There you <laughs> have it, everybody. Another awesome podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog, theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, video blogs, all on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our One Thing series on how to build a solid ground provide hope for the people, have discipline, work hard, and much, much more with Tom Lewis. Thank you, Tom, for being on the show. My pleasure. Nice talking to you guys and good luck to you. Take care.